Hey friends, you're listening to The Collective Podcast in partnership with Watermark Community Church. We're so glad you're here and we hope you enjoy today's episode as we highlight heroes of the faith. Well, welcome, friends. I'm your host today, Chelsea Schaefer-Eason, and we will be continuing our season focusing on heroes of the faith. For this episode, we are super excited to be joined by an unbelievable big bad mama who has been through the fire, Susan Cox, our hero of crisis. How are you doing? I'm great. Chelsea, thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, man, it's such a blessing. Some of you may not know Susan, so I'm going to give her a little lead in and then we're going to get to hear from her. But she is so faithful. She's been around Watermark for a really long time. She specifically focuses in the re-engage ministry, which has to do with marriage health and, and recovery. And so she has a phenomenal story to tell us. Obviously, not everybody's married. So what, is, what does Susan have to do with you if you're not married? It's she is a hero of the situation of crisis. And I'm sure all of us have been there or know we will probably be there one day. And so we have a lot to learn from just the wisdom and the spirit that's been at work in your life and your story. Uh, And so specifically, Susan, when people come to us for advice, it's so easy to just share our opinions or speak exclusively from our experiences. But Susan points everything she does and says back to the scripture and, and her trust in Christ alone and God's redeeming power. So let's get started, Susan. Tell us, tell us about your story. We want to hear about you. Uh, thanks, Chelsea. Gosh, I remember it was probably 10 years ago, just walked through the doors of this church and was addicted to pornography, was in the midst of an affair, even had a hotel room key in my purse. I mean, my life was just out of control. Husband at the same time was in the midst of being unfaithful, and we were on the brink of divorce. It was just a, a fork in the road of where friends and family had said, hey, nobody heals from this. And so then from there it was, well, goodness, I guess it's just time to call this thing quits. And it was actually God's people doing what God's word commands them to do, and that was to love us. And as we were loved and invited in to be a part of this local expression of the faith, we jumped into regeneration and re-engage as well. And through both of those ministries, God got a hold of both of our hearts. And we came to the realization that, man, Jesus not only saved us, right, for eternity, but the Lord was the answer to saving the marriage. And as we began to work the steps in both of those recovery ministries, the gospel came alive to me again in such a way that I could not wait to share the good news with others. The Lord had redeemed my life in such a way that I wanted everybody to know the goodness of the Savior. Wow. And for you guys, I just feel so sad for everybody who's not in the room right now, because what you can't see, which I get the just huge privilege to see, is the authentic effervescence of the Holy Spirit inside Susan. And it's so humbling to sit across and just see the joy of the Lord bubbling up and to know that that comes from a trench. That isn't some facade. That isn't something you put on. That comes because you've been through the fire yourself. And I'm just curious, were you a Christian when you went through these experiences already? Or did you come to know the Lord because of these experiences? So I placed my faith at the age of 10 years old and checked the box. Grew up in a house where we went to church on Sundays. But 
never fully understood what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus and got married and thought, okay, we'll just continue, check the box and go to church. But the Lord in his kindness allowed us to walk through just such a storm and such chaos that in the midst of that pit, I learned how to put my full dependence on him. And I knew that he was the answer to this. The answer wasn't as to whether my husband would change or not. The answer was to who my Jesus is. And I knew, right, that if he was the savior of my soul, that meant he was definitely the pathway to saving our marriage. And my newfound faith, I would say, happened at the ripe old age of 50. Man. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just had owned a Bible all throughout that time, but starting at the age of 50, and now, goodness, this year I turned the big six zero. Woohoo! I I now have a Bible that it's highlighted and dog-eared and pages are are coming out of it because I've learned through the fire that what brings healing is to feast on His Word. Yeah, and I think something I hear you saying through that and that I see witnessed in your story is God will allow his sheep to to, to walk away and he's going to come after him. But he will allow us to sit in that mud pit. Absolutely. Um, but Lord willing, the Holy Spirit puts the call and you return back to the Lord and that, that faithful calling that you responded to it, the Lord gave it. I see that. And that's encouraging because I know some of us who have accepted Christ into our lives, we can go through seasons of walking away and then maybe maybe it's not a full season of walking away exactly like yours was but a season of crisis where there is there's doubt and there is question and you've been championed this this hero of crisis and so I'm curious what is it about that situation that uh, you know I've heard you you're drawn to this like you're a person when when a, when somebody says fire you're you're a fire extinguisher you're running what is it about your you know, your story and your wiring that would make you be a run towards versus a step back from. I love that. I I hear that often. People say, all right, she's the one that's going to run to the mess or the, or the fire. And when I think about being a Christian, Chelsea, I think of us as we're hope dealers. Mm. We are. Like God has given us the gift of life through salvation in Jesus Christ. And we have what a hurting world longs for. And so when someone is in crisis or hurting, it is such an opportunity for this person to meet my Jesus. And there's, I can't wait. Like I, I run no matter what the story is. And each time that I meet with folks, it's amazing, right? How deeply that we can hurt one another. Nothing surprises me anymore. It's, it's sin and sin hurts. And so when I get to meet with this person, it is just the first and foremost, man, I want to know where their heart is with Jesus. And do they know my Christ? Yeah. And I think another part of, of being that hope dealer is all of us have a story. Yeah. Every one of us have a story of grace for the Lord has called us right out of darkness and, and you light. Have kind of a crazy story. Would you <laughs> mind letting our listeners in on like a couple of the moments that were like, you want to talk crisis? Yes, yes, man. Crazy happened in our home. I mean, as the infidelities came to light, we got into such arguments to where it elevated to the point to where 911 calls were made and police officers have been in our living room. And I love to tell my friends, man, if you're going to fight, don't fight naked. 
and call 911. <laughs> <laughs> so if yeah. anybody's looking for practical steps, we're going to have these in the show notes for you today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't fight naked and call 911. <laughs> That's right. 911. That's right. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. Thank you. No. But I mean, that does put to point. Yeah. That's crisis. Yes. That's crisis. And you told me earlier, you had an interesting interaction a couple years after that with a cop. Yes. And so the, the same officers that came on that wicked night, I mean, God, in his sense of humor and kindness, allowed me to engage and interact with one of those men a few years later on the other side of restoration. And it was just really fun. Yet I got to tell the testimony, right? Yes. This, this guy came in the living room of the crazy of the crazies. And then now he got to hear the testimony of what only our Jesus can do and so yeah and so who knows what the lord's going to do in that story with that officer but yeah it was fun not in the moment right not, not in the in moment. moment not in the moment <laughs> but oh, afterwards man. absolutely yeah well it's fascinating and i'm curious how did you go from being somebody who needed others to help you get through crisis to somebody who who runs towards a crisis what was the big shift and transformation what has that looked like man second corinthians 1 3 through 5 just out of the way that I was comforted by the Lord in the midst of all of that crisis, I now want to be a comforter for others. I really do. That's the desire. I, I have tasted the goodness of God, and, and I want to be that for other people. And when I have the opportunity to sit down uh, with someone that's walking through something pretty significant, I'm just reminded of how much the Lord has given me. And there's no fear in that moment. There's, you know, Second Timothy 1.7, like he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he's given me that of love and power and, and self-discipline. And so when I have a chance to sit down, I'm reminded of who my capital C comforter is. Mm -hmm. I know that he's given me everything I need in that moment to love and care for this person. And I do. I, I've got a story where life transformation has happened. And I want this person to know that I've come through the fire and look what God did. Yeah. And I want them to know, like, like it is possible. Healing is possible. And do you want it? And if you're willing to take that step forward, man, the church, the local body is willing to, to jump in the ditch with you and to help you take that next faithful step. Yeah, I think with people in the middle of a crisis or maybe recovering from a crisis or walking along some, somebody, there can be this sense of this is not a sprint. This is very often, you know, trauma takes years. Even something traumatic may happen one night or one moment, but it takes years to recover. And so I'm curious about specifically what it looks like and what you would encourage people. And it sounds like that this might be a process. You're, you're with somebody if you're pastoring them a long time. So for people listening who are like, I love that that's your gift. I love that you've been through the chaos. I maybe haven't, but I'm with somebody I'm having a hard time getting on their level. And also, I'm tired. How would you encourage people to sit beside the, you know, the crisis or sit in the crisis well? And then how would you encourage people to avoid burn burnout? How do you do that? Yeah, great question. I think of, I think of three things. And so pray. Pray. I think so many times, and I made these mistakes, where I want to run into the fire without even spending time with the Lord, uh, mm -hmm. being reminded that, man, this is not Susan Cox's power that's going to bring about change in anybody's life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if I don't go to the Lord first and pray James 1, 5, mm -hmm. Lord, I seek your wisdom 
And Father, as I began to take this step with this individual, Lord, remind me that, A, I've got your power, your spirit. Lord, you've given me access to your word. And so with those two things, I can come in and sit. And then in my Bible, like it, it's just with me. It, it travels with me everywhere I go. I mean, I know that when I meet with someone, my words can maybe take somebody three or four steps across the room, but the word of God is living and active. Absolutely. I mean, if you feel so ill-equipped, you've got the best equipping, you know, the best textbook in the entire world. You have the book of the words of Christ and yes. of God sitting with you. So keep it on hand. Yes. Because where you fall short, he'll fill in. Absolutely. And I think what can happen sometimes in when we're pastoring someone in crisis, if we're not careful, they will start to look at us as their yes. Christ. Absolutely. I, ooh, only Jesus can be Jesus. Susan is a terrible Jesus. I will let you down. I will, but Christ doesn't. And so what we want to teach these individuals as we're walking through the pain with them is every single thing has to point back to Jesus. We want to help them get into the word. We want them to take ownership of what they're walking through. And it's actually, it's discipleship. You're walking alongside this person with their Bible in hand and their journal in hand, and you're teaching her, you're teaching him, what does it look like to seek the scriptures when I'm fearful? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to feast on his word when I'm anxious and I'm not sure what tomorrow holds? Well, God has the answer for that. And so I don't want that person calling me every single time they're upset, they're angry, or they're fearful. I want to teach this person, hey, where can I go first? I want to first go to the Word of God, see what Scripture has called me to do. And then from there, right, they're going to be learning on their own. Hey, instead of calling, I'm going to search the Scriptures. Yes. I mean, that's the age-old proverb of don't just give a man a fish, teach the man to fish. Right. And so that is the single best advice. Hey, pray. There's a season for compassion, right? which I hear you saying, like, man, there's a time to jump in the pit. Mm -hmm. Pray with them, pray for them, pray over them. And then there's this shift that kind of happens, it seems like, where you go from compassion to call to action and you disciple them. Hey, this is what it looks like to start taking these steps. Because in all crises, we, like, you can't just sit back and let the, the house burn down and there'll be nothing left. Right. You have to sit there and go, this is traumatic. Let's take a big breath and assess. And then you got to pull out the fire hose. And the true fire hose, you know, truly for our spirits and the true like result or um, the only place we will find the resolution, we will find um, any sort of calm, peace or um, just health would be to point them to Jesus. Don't say, hey, look at me. Say, hey, I'm just a testament to look at him. Yes. Look at me because of what he's done, but still baby just glance at me and then like look up at him like he's he's the he's the only thing that's going to be able to provide peace to provide sustenance to provide a soul sustaining um recovery right because it's not just let's get the fire out it's let's rebuild the house that's it and, and on a solid foundation yes you know i think about when when i taught my daughters how to ride a bike it's the training wheels were on at first and there was such support and help and I was always right there beside her. Yeah. And then as the wheels, training wheels come off, I'm still right beside her as she's still looking, hey, do I have you? Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Yeah. And then after a while, there was such discipline in play. She'd begin to learn, hey, I can do this on my own and I'm moving forward. I think that's the same in teaching someone about scripture. Absolutely. Like I'm going to walk beside you. I'll sit with you. Yes, come to my house 
I'll sit on my sofa. Let's talk about the really hard stuff. But I want to see you begin to take some action and begin to put into practice ways that you can open up his word and begin to journal and begin to meditate on the truth of who he is and to put those principles into practice. Yeah. I'm curious, what have you done to cultivate this mindset and this ability? Uh, like, are there, are there practical things? Are there spiritual things? Because obviously you've gone through the fire. You have a story. You have a, a gift in this. But for people who might not naturally have had such intense experiences, or maybe they just honestly need to grow in compassion and, and how to disciple, how do you cultivate this mindset? And uh, what are what are, are there practical things we can do? Ah, oh, man, I just I pray this is nothing new to all believers. But every morning at 530, the alarm is set, the coffee's already on. And there is a chair in my living room where I go to meet with the Lord and Bible open, journal open. And it's John 15, five, like I have to abide deeply in Jesus, like just to sit in his presence and, and thank him for yet another day, but then open up his word and see, hey, where, where are you going to take me today? And today was in Jeremiah 17 and just being reminded that as believers, we can be like that tree that is planted by the living water and out of that, no matter what season, we can bear fruit. And as Christians, we should live our lives to bear fruit. That's what God has called us to do is to go and make decisions. And so if I don't spend time with the Lord, and I mean diligently make time to spend with him in prayer, in word, in meditation, and memorization of scripture, that's, that's all I have to give anybody. I mean, all that we can give anybody in ministering to somebody else is out of our overflow of our time with the Lord. Because I, I can't come to someone spiritually dry and think that, man, the Lord's going to be able to use me in that moment. And so practical, the best ministers of the gospel are those that are spending time with Jesus day in and day out. And so we should be ready. Right, Chelsea? I mean, when that phone call comes or the text comes in or a friend is hurting or a crisis has happened, man, believers are armed and ready. God's given us everything we need. We, we grab our Bibles and we pray it up and we mm. just run and we're ready to love yeah. and care for this individual. That's really helpful. Something I'm gleaning from what you're sharing is first and foremost, there isn't a quick fix for crisis. And quite frankly, we've heard this from teachers time and time again. It's it's simple, it's faithful, and it's it being ready before the crisis hits. It's committing to the Lord and, and knowing his word daily so that when you're in the pit, when, when God does allow you to fall or whenever that situation does fall on you, you're ready because you've already been faithful in advance. Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard for people who are procrastinators by spirit, but I think that there is something really sweet and also very, you know, hope bringing that it's simple. Meet with Jesus because the crisis will come. And are you going to spend the time before it hits preparing mm. your heart to know what his word says so you'll be ready? Mm. And that, you know, obviously for those who haven't prepared, what advice would you say, hey, if you're in the crisis, what do, what do they do next? Yeah. I mean, so there are some resources. June Hunt has uh, a resource called Counseling Through Your Bible Handbook. And her team has done an amazing job of taking pretty much every really crisis or hard situation that you could possibly imagine. And they've broken it down where to go in God's word, 
the mm-hmm. questions to ask the individual. And so that is a resource that we love to put in the hands of all leaders, no matter whether you're leading in reengage region, you know, wherever you are, right? Even a community group leader. I mean, this is something that will be very, very valuable. She also has an app. It's oh, just that's hope. Easy. Yeah. Hope for the heart. It's a stained glass heart easy just put it on on your smartphone and then when you're meeting with someone and situation arises you can quickly go to that tap it the issue will be there along with all the scriptures and even a short little audio of some things to be reminded of when you come alongside and give counsel oh my goodness that couldn't be that couldn't be easier (laughs) that's so helpful and quite frankly it's helpful to know that people i trust would use a resource like that sometimes you i can be very cautious to turn to people who've already done some work for me because mm. I don't know, okay, can I rely on this? But I love hearing me and we trust and we rely mm. on this as a resource for what you might call like a quick hit problem solve. Obviously yes. those aren't the same as some of the ministries God's allowed us to uh, lead out in here at Watermark like regeneration, like re-engage or, you know, the various things we have Shiloh, depending on your crisis, Watermark has done a wonderful job of preparing for those things. And there's a lot of materials out there, but this is, Hey, if you are in a pinch and yes, you've maybe been studying scripture, but you kind of need some help on a specific thing. This is a resource for you. So make sure you download that app or buy that book and have it on hand. So as a disciple, you can be prepared for situations that might not be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't it so, yes, it's such a helpful tool. And one other thing I would add to that is, I mean, if, if there's a gal that's about to jump into a pastoral alone, mm-hmm. take a friend with you. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, grab, I, I've had some of the best gatherings with others by grabbing friends and coming in because here's what happens in that setting is you're multiplying discipleship. Wow. When you're bringing in another and like, hey, let's go love on this person together. You've got a, a prayer warrior that's sitting right there with you and you've got, you've got backup. Absolutely. You've got reinforcement as you can come alongside and, and care for the individual that you're meeting with. Man, that's such a helpful idea. And it feels so simple now that you've said it. I'm like, of course you should bring somebody with you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're in the middle of the panic of how do I handle this? How do I handle this? You you don't often think clearly. And so, so wonderful to have a very practical action step, which is, hey, first things first, let's pray. Yeah. Second thing, second, we have some resources if there's a specific need. And third, bring a friend. Yes. Because it's better to go into the fire with somebody else. Having backup, that's why we are called to do life together. And I truly think that, you know, when you think about boundaries and trying to set, you know, for somebody who's helping somebody through crisis. Right. What does it look like to create a certain set of healthy expectations to make sure you don't fully run into burnout as the person helping them? A uh, great idea. As that second person or as that person who's walking along the crisis, just what are some bits of advice you'd give us? Yeah, ways to avoid burnout yeah. is just recognize right off the bat that you're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's You just are not their savior. And because here's when, when I get anxious or start to feel burdensome, it's because I'm trying to bear a burden that was never mine to bear. Mm-hmm. It's just not mine. The Lord loves that individual far more, far greater, far deeper than I ever will. And so I want to sleep well at night. Like I'm Isaiah 26, three should be tattooed across my brain as I lay my head on the pillow that meant I can sleep peacefully because my trust is in the Lord. My trust is not in whether or not my words or my plan of action is going to help that individual get better. 
Yeah. And just for anybody who is not as quick hitter on the Bible verses, I love this. It says, oh, goodness. And of course, you got to love Google. It pulled up a King James Version. So we're going to say, thou wilt keep in him perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. I love it. But it's, the Lord will keep in perfect peace those yes. whose mind is, is, is stayed on him. Yes. And so... I, I mean, that is just, that's got to be mm. the place. If you can't, if your head can't hit the pillow and rest in assurance that God's got this, you may want to check your your lines of commitment or relational equity in the crisis. Even if yes. it's your husband or even if it's your kids, you have to be able, I'm not saying you have to, I don't think that the Lord would say, hey, don't, don't have a heart that's compassionate and caring and you might lose a little sleep staying up a little late, but he's saying you need to be able to rest because I've got it. And if Mm -hmm. you can't trust that I've got it, then that that's actually, Hey, we need to probably take a, take a big step back and draw a circle and see where your own health is at Mm, as the person trying to help. Right. Absolutely. And just like, you know, in your car, the car engine light's going to come on when something's not quite right. And even as believers spiritually, like if, if I don't keep a heart check on me, when I start to feel that I've got it and I'm in control and she's going to do what I tell her to do, then I start to, to bear the burden of the outcome. And the outcome is not my job. My job as a believer is to be faithful, to be obedient, to love this person, to point them to him and his word. And then the Lord has the outcome. Only God can convict and convert. Mm -hmm. That's not my job. And so when I can let that be and allow right God to do what only God's going to do, girl, that is hashtag a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Coming in hot on 60 and she's saying hashtag a great day. Girl, I love that. It cracks me up. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up today. And I'm curious just to anybody who's out there, what is the main encouragement you would say through all of your years of wisdom, through all of the hardship, all of the joy, what is, what is the next step of faithfulness, the next big encouragement that you can give to a listener who is just clinging on and desperate for some perspective and hope? Man, it is a blessing, not a burden to care for others. The Lord has given us his sweet grace and he's given us the gift of salvation. He's given us a life that has been absolutely transformed by him. And for us to walk in that truth, like we should be people who walk about the world, um, shoulders back, head held high, standing in the truth of who we are in Jesus, knowing that we have a gift and it with that gift, we should want to steward that and to give that to every single person that we meet. I mean, I am now living a life where when I go to the grocery store, I'm wondering what's the story of the cashier? Mm-hmm. I want to know what's the story of the person waiting on our table in the restaurant and does this person know Jesus? And no matter who the Lord allows to come in our path, right? And if it, if it happens to be someone that is in a crisis, what a gift. What a gift that God has chosen you for such a time as this to minister to this individual. Because here's the deal. When we minister to others, we are holding the hand of God. 
Mm. Like we're, cl- I am closest to the Lord when I'm jumping in the crisis and loving and caring for somebody walking through something difficult because I'm going to the Lord to get what I need to share with this person. I go to him to get what's going to take to bring about healing in that individual. And so I, I pray that all that are listening to this podcast today, that whether you're in a crisis coming out of it or you're walking alongside a friend that's in one right now, that you're encouraged and affirmed to excel still more. If you're the timid one thinking, ah, that's above my pay grade, I want to lean in on that one and say, oh, sweet girl, it's not above your pay grade. It's what the Lord saved you to do. Mm. And so go, like, don't shrink back. Don't think you don't have what it takes to love and care for somebody. Even ask the Lord. Like I would challenge the the listening audience today to ask the Lord today. Hey, Lord, put someone in my path. Mm. Pray for that's a bold prayer, isn't it? That's a bold prayer, but I, I I think that is so hopeful. I love it. Yeah, put somebody in my path, Father, that needs to know you. Or Lord, bring to my to mind right now the name of a friend that may be walking through a difficult season. And God, use me as a vessel of your grace. And Lord, help me to open my mouth and let it be your words that speak, not mine. God, help me to have a chance to love and care for this individual, to walk alongside her for the season, Lord, that it takes. And Father, I pray that you multiply, right, the effort, the labor of my hands, and may it just go forth. And you know what? Here's what's really cool. Mm-hmm. Each person that you minister to, the Lord's going to take that story, and he's going to use it as a minister to others that are in her path. And I mean, how cool. I cannot wait to meet Jesus and to jump in his lap and go, okay, not that he has a VCR DVD in heaven, but but maybe, I, right? I mean, I mean God, I'm so. still using hashtags. <laughs> so, hey, I mean, to be able to jump in his lap and go, okay, God, press play. Like, I want to see the story after story after story of where you used your people to bring about life change in that individual and how that person was then used to bring about life change in the next and the next and the next and the next. Because that's why we're here, Chelsea. That's why we're here. Yeah. One thing I'm so grateful to have learned from you today and that is so sweet and convicting is we have to love God's word. And if we love God's word, we will see that God loves people and people are chaotic Mm. and they are (gasps) crisis filled. And so by his divine calling, Mm. it is our privilege, our honor. And quite frankly, the hardest part of what you said today is it should be our request to ask Mm. God, not just waiting for the crises to come to us sitting back on our laurels, but as Christians, that we should be firefighters, so Mm. to speak, that we should see those issues and we should run towards them. And we hear that often, but as a a very gentle and intimate reminder today that we got to love God first. And as we love him, pray that he would indwell in us Mm. a heart for his people because you have to love people to hold on their mess with them. And then quite frankly, to say, God, Please give me the privilege and please give me the opportunity of being able to share the gospel with somebody, to be a disciple maker, and to truly run towards somebody's crisis with them for your namesake, not my glory, but yours. Amen. Thank you so much. I mean, it's all so simple, but so profound. And what a beautiful reminder. Man, I've learned so much. And we could keep talking for so long, but it's time to wrap up. I'm so Thanks, bummed. Thank you for talking with Thank us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Well, ladies, that's all we have time for today. If you want to learn more about The Collective, you can visit our website, watermark.org collective, and follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. 
Be sure to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it today. It has so many just beautiful nuggets and gems of truth and scripture totally filled with love and just encouragement. Please make sure to share it with somebody or re-listen to it a few times yourself that you would just be um, ready to run into the fire. And if you have any questions about this episode, you can email us at collective at watermark.org. We'll see you next time on The Collective Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,